You're listening to Unbound from Northeast Kansas Library System. To learn more about us, please visit nekls.org. Today on Unbound, we are talking makerspaces in the library. Anna, how are you? I'm great. I'm super excited for this podcast. How about you, Dan? I'm super pumped as well. Thanks. You're a maker. I've seen your work. At least I, I consider you a maker. Do you have much experience with makerspaces? You know, I really don't so much uh, other than admiring them in many types of libraries uh, throughout Neckles region and beyond. Um, How about you, Dan? What are your experiences with makerspaces? Same. So today, to learn more about the current state of the maker movement, Anne and I met via Zoom with the innovative staff from Lewisburg Library in Miami County, Kansas. Thanks to you all for being here. Can we start with introductions? Sure. I am Kirsten Allen from Lewisburg Library. I'm the director. I'm Elizabeth Ellis, the Youth Services Coordinator. I'm Holly McLean, the Adult Services Coordinator. And I'm Rusty Folsom, the Technical Services Administrator. I'm going to kick us off with the questions. What do you call your maker program? Well, we are actually in the process of reevaluating our goals and focus based on all of the things that we learned at the Fab Lab Makerspace Bootcamp. Um, I think what we're going to have is tech knowledge series. So a little play on words with technology, but it's tech knowledge series. And then we will have opportunities for people to learn how to use um, the systems that we have and then spend some tech time with Rusty actually creating a product. 3D printers seem to be the quintessential maker tool. Can you tell us what Lewisburg Library uses? That's a great question for Rusty. Rusty, you want to take that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, we the first 3D printer we, we got was uh, a collaborative grant to the Bear Foundation. And um, we went with a MakerBot because at that time they were the most user-friendly, educational uh, type 3D printers. Um, we ended up getting a second one because we uh, <clears throat> ended up using the first one so much and it ended up dying on us. And uh, we went with another MakerBot and we found quickly that the technology growth in 3d printing was quick it, it it happened so fast that i mean you couldn't at that time this was like what like four or five years ago uh you couldn't get a 3d printer without it being up needing to be upgraded within a you know six months five months something like that so we went through that uh for the second 3d printer too and in between all this process come down to like uh, 2020 COVID starts happening. Um, we, everyone's kind of in a shutdown. We're looking, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And uh, we start talking with some other local libraries and uh, one of them, one of the guys, uh, Peter Troll comes up with the idea of, you know, Hey, we've got the technology and the knowledge to produce this PPE gear that they're looking for. Um, 
we could be 3D printing this stuff. So a collaborative got put together and we ended up getting a grant for uh, everyone to get a 3D printer, which was we went with the Creelty 3D printers, um, the Enders. They're, they're pretty well known next to the Prusa. Because we were creating those uh, PP, that PPE gear, the, uh, the grant we received was to get us new ones because we were just, I mean, we were hammering out. I think we're making... Oh gosh, you remember what the number was, Kirsten? How many? I feel like made? it was 120 a day. Yeah, it was. It was a large number of 3D prints, oh. considering that you're. I mean, one person may be doing if, like, if I had three printers going 24/7. You know, we were just pushing this stuff out, so it was a big deal. Um, and getting that extra 3D printer really helped us a lot in keeping up equipment and. We found out that later that that MakerBot did not did not really hold up as well. It was so backdated that we had to go with something a little bit newer. And that that upgrade in technology has kind of just slowed down. So where we're at is is essentially with with when we're talking about filament and PLA and um, different types of filament. This is where we're at. Um, you're not going to see a lot more upgrades, I don't think, in that 3D printing area. I was wondering, do you have any items for checkout or take-home use? And if so, do you consider them as part of your makerspace program? Elizabeth, how about you take that one? Okay, yeah, sure. We do have some maker tools that are checkoutable, um, including a Cricut uh, cutting machine, a sewing machine, soldering irons, engraving tools, uh, some cutting mats to go along with that. And those are really tech heavy, but thinking of other things that are not so, but still fall under that make category are cake pans, which we probably wouldn't think of right off, but they definitely apply. We also have some video uh, equipment that we check out, including a GoPro. So in true librarian fashion, I'm wondering about the rules of use, all those little uh, nitty gritty procedure type things. Do makers have to sign a waiver? Is the maker space or all of your maker opportunities open to all ages? And are there any like, additional codes of conduct for using the maker space? Holly, would you like to answer that one? Sure. Um, so our makerspace is not really a space. We don't have that room. Um, so we've kind of had different items in different places. So it's been more staff run. So we don't have necessarily agreements for using the makerspace area since we don't have an area. So there's more of a form if we're gonna be using the item, they fill it out and everything, but if they're checking it out, they have a borrower's agreement and they fill that out. Our age groups then on that, since it's staff run, depending on what it is, there's not necessarily going to be an age limit. There is an age limit on things that can check out though, and that is 16. And after 16 and a, and a clear account, healthy account at the library, they can check out laptops and iPad and sewing machine, cake pans, all of that. I hope that answers your question. It sure does. And I, I love the phrase healthy account. We do too. 
<laughs> That's a very positive way to put it. How did you decide what types of equipment and materials to get? And how much was your initial cost? It came about, I would say that our maker products came about organically. You know, we started with some donations of cake pans and we're like, hey, we're going to have a cake pan collection. And we got a bear grant for iPads and we got grants for the 3D printers. We have then just added different things to our budget in anticipation. So the Glowforge we added to our budget so that we could purchase that. And the Cricut we added to our budget. Um, and they just, like I said, came about organically and just one at a time and just kind of grew into, hey, we have a lot of individual items that when you put them together, make a maker space and now we need the space for it. I'd like to take just a second and reflect back on a few of the things that you've said. Um, what it sounds like to be is that currently you have a maker collection more so than a maker space, um, but you're using programs to support that collection that people can of course check out and you're using it to to promote your, your maker abilities that you have at your library. But what I think I just heard you say, or recently heard you say, Kirsten, is that you're trying to move towards a true maker space. So yes, that is exactly right. And I, I like the way you put that. We are in a library that gets smaller every day. And I'm sure that every library you talk to is going to tell you the same thing. Um, we've been in this building for 50 years. And so we need a new space. And when we get a new space, the question is, well, what would happen to the space that we are in now? Um, because the library owns this building and it would be a perfect opportunity to have this location be a makerspace with all of the different collection that we have. Um, and then come over and, and do the teaching and do the tech time with Rusty and do the technology series and do the Explorer Fourth Friday and have that in this location, whereas it wouldn't necessarily be on location where the new library facility would be. So that's one of the things that we have talked about. That's not something that's set in stone. It's just some ideas that we have been talking about um, when we get a new library. That sounds like a fantastic opportunity for your community. We hope so. And the, the, and now I'll get back to the point that I was going to make. Um, one of the exciting perks of that makerspace boot camp at the Fab Lab at Independence Community College that we attended is that we each now have a membership there. And with that membership, each of us can go anytime we want and use all of the materials that they have in whatever capacity we would like and we get to take a guest so there were four of us who went so each of us can take guests so we're going to take fun fridays throughout the year before our membership expires and we are going to take staff members 
board members and our stakeholders so that they can understand fully what a makerspace is. We saw, we talked to some people there that um, one of the places there was starting a new business. They needed to rebuild their sign. And instead of spending thousands of dollars buying a new sign, they were able to use the plasma cutter there and make their sign out of metal. And it looks gorgeous. It looks just like as if they had done it professionally, but they made it themselves. Holly. They also made partnerships in that. They met other people who um, could help them. And then they created, created a lot of partnerships within the community. And that was one of the things that I think came out of Tim and Jim. They talked a lot about partnerships. And um, I think Elizabeth has a lot to say about the partnerships in the community. And collaborating. Yeah. So one thing that we really explored during the boot camp was keeping your mind open when thinking of partnerships with a maker space, uh, because anyone is a potential partner. So thinking about partners that could help create the space would um, be your local like chamber group, because you're looking at businesses, um, Partnering with people to gain knowledge about maker things would be your 4-H, uh, Boy Scouts, um, schools, uh, homeschool, private schools, church groups. So you can create those kinds of partnerships where they're, they're definitely using the space. Um, there was talk a little bit about monies before of how to... Uh, gain funds to create a space. And one thing that was touched on during the boot camp was don't just think tech when thinking about reaching out for funds for a maker space. Think of also what is that technology going to sit on? So is there an opportunity there to reach out for a grant for furniture? Is there a opportunity to look at grants for a space if you don't have a space already? Is there an opportunity um, to, to think about um, the supplies that, that are used in a maker space? So thinking about equipment and how to uh, find monies and, and partnerships, those kinds of things to, to create a maker space, just don't get so caught up in the equipment, you've got to think about the space, um, the, the furnishings and the supplies. Um, and everyone is a potential partner. Keep those uh, pathways open. Um, and those later on could be those stakeholders that really come through with, with making great change. I wanted to ask, how did you all hear about the Fab Lab? Well, you know what? I really, I'm really glad you asked me that because this is Kirsten. Um, we actually heard about it through the, our Miami County Economic Development Coordinator, Janet McCray. She said, there are monies, this project is happening, and I really think it's something that libraries should be a part of. And if she hadn't made us aware, we never would have known because it's it's been going on for a while. It's not brand new and we've never even heard of it. So I really want to thank Janet McCray uh, for reaching out to libraries specifically and giving us the opportunity to show and learn 
and develop and then share. I wanted to talk just a little bit about what has been one of the keys to your success. This is Elizabeth. I think what has made our maker collection successful is that we do not just leave it out um, to collect dust, but we have staff that have taken on the role of doing programs, hosting classes, workshops that use those tools. So that's a huge piece to the to our success is having a variety of tools that are going to appeal to a variety of uh, people, having the staff that know how to use it and have time kind of built in their their schedule to to um, share that knowledge with our our patron base. What else should we know about the Maker Program or the Lewisburg Library? I would say that that would just circle back to our mission, which is that we are an entity that provides recreational, informational, educational, and cultural experiences in a 21st century environment. And we want to challenge, we want to empower, and we want to give people the opportunity to find something about themselves that maybe they never knew before. Thank you, Kirsten, Holly, Elizabeth, and Rusty for sharing your story about Makerspaces today. Thank you for being with us. Thanks very much for yep, having us. Thanks for having us.